Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Sarah. Today, we are joined by Steve Satek, president and founder of Great Lakes Clinical Trials. Great Lakes specializes in the study of investigational medications, food products, devices, and supplements for the treatment of chronic diseases, notably in mental health, memory disorders, and pain management. Steve is one of the passionate, dedicated leaders in Alzheimer's research, and Great Lakes is determined to find a way to prevent the disease from occurring in aging older adults. With two locations in Arlington Heights and Chicago, you can find Great Lakes just around the corner at 5149 North Ashland. Welcome, Steve. Hi, How, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And also welcome to Amber Holtz, who is the Director of Marketing for Great Lakes, who's also here with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. Steve, you've been in clinical research for 25 years. Can you tell us about your background and how did you get to where you are now in your career? Um, so my um, undergraduate education was in um, biochemistry and molecular biology. And I was always interested in research and kind of discovering the unknown and those sorts of things. Um, the idea of doing bench research um, is kind of a natural progression for people who have a degree in biochemistry and molecular biology. And I was a bench researcher for a while behind the lab with test tubes and all that good stuff. Um, but it didn't have much of a social outlet. And um, I learned about, as I was at um, doing bench research, I learned a little bit about clinical trials. And I kind of made the progression from the bench to the clinic um, based on the ability to socialize with people and to get to know people. And I did that at Northwestern University. I was working in the cancer center and I started doing clinical trials in the area of cancer. And um, it actually was quite fulfilling and I really enjoyed my time there. And I just kind of went on the rest of my career and just kind of took additional roles within the Chicagoland area um, at different medical clinics and eventually worked in a kind of a worldwide organization doing clinical trials. And as I was getting into these bigger um, organizations, I realized that I'm a much smaller organization person and decided to open up my own clinic um, with a partner at the time um, here in Andersonville. Well, that's really fascinating. And um, I, I'm just curious, is that a growing industry or how have you seen it change and evolve since you since you started? You know, it's really interesting. Um, throughout the, the decades, there's always these questions about the strength of the healthcare industry in um, the United States, whether it is the, you know, healthcare in the hospital settings, clinic settings, or whether it's the pharmaceutical industry and what's happening with different political changes that are going on. One thing that does remain consistent and has been slowly growing throughout this time has been the clinical trial industry. Uh, one of the things that's going to be the case forever is that we need medications to maintain um, general public health. And the only way to actually get new medications approved for prescription is through the clinical trial process. A lot of things that people don't realize is that every single medication that any of us have ever taken had to go through a clinical trial process to become available for us to use. So there are other individuals, maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago, that participated in a research study to determine if the medication works and determine if the medication is safe. And so based on the you know, dedication of these volunteers who participated in research many years ago, we're able to live happier, healthier lives today. And so the work that we're doing today is going to make the generations ahead of us um, even more healthy. 
And Steve, you were recently named by Cranes Chicago as one of Chicago's most notable LGBTQ executives for 2018. So congratulations. That's a great honor. What was it like to receive that honor? You know, it was actually kind of a big surprise, and I'm really happy and honored to be um, recognized in such a way. A lot of times when you think about Cranes Chicago business, think about the downtown businesses and these major multi you know, national corporations and that sort of thing. But when you're talking about a small business here in Andersonville and having the owner being recognized, it was kind of a surprise to me and I was super excited about it. Um, one of the things that, that I'm pretty proud of is that we have a very diverse culture at our, um, our clinic and it wasn't set out to be that way. It just kind of happened organically because that's the way I kind of live my life is being welcoming to all parties and that sort of thing. Um, one of the things that we do focus on at Great Lakes is research in memory disorders for seniors and, and older adults. And one of the things we've noticed in the LGBTQ community is that with advancing medications, we see that people are living longer lives, not only in the reg regular community, but within the LGBT community. And because of that, we're actually servicing a community um, and the needs of older people in LGBTQ, um, such as memory loss in that community. And speaking of location, you opened Great Lakes in Andersonville mm -hmm. four years ago in 2014, replacing the historic Nelson Funeral Home at the corner of Foster and Ashland. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about choosing Andersonville, why you chose it, and also uh, really the, the state-of-the-art facility that you built in this historic funeral home space? <laughs> Thanks. Well, yeah, it's actually kind of an interesting decision process of why we ended up opening up in Andersonville. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've been part of larger um, national and international organizations um, doing clinical trials. And one of the things that's always been paramount in my you know, process of, of setting up clinics has been bringing a clinic to a community as opposed to expecting a community to come to a clinic. So, um, you know, being a resident of Andersonville I, and, and Edgewater and uptown, the greater um, north side area, I do realize that there is a big gap in the access to clinical trials in this area. We have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who live in this on the north side of Chicago that at this, before Great Lakes was around, we had to travel to other areas to actually participate in clinical trials. By opening Great Lakes here in Andersonville, it becomes a central place for people on the north side of Chicago to come to participate in clinical research. And, you know, I, I know the area, I know the community really well, I know the organizations that are within the Andersonville area really well. And, you know, this, the, the time was, was right to actually open up a medical clinic here to focus on, on research. The other thing that was really important to us too is the fact that we do have Swedish Covenant Hospital just down the street from us. And that is a, it's a great organization. Um, as a private hospital, it's partnered with us in a, in a great way. So we're able to offer additional services beyond what our clinic offers, such as um, radiology, some additional lab services. There's some specialties that are there as well. So having a, a community-based hospital in, in our area, close to our, our clinic was really paramount as well. Another fun fact, though, you mentioned the old Nelson Funeral Home. So for those who love neighborhood history and things like that, uh, one of our employees and team members at Great Lakes, it was her grandparents that actually operated the Nelson Funeral Home. So even having her walk around the clinic and kind of show you all the nooks and crannies, it just makes for a really unique kind of clinic experience, I think. Yep. She kind of came with the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's a fun tidbit. Well, Steve, what exactly is a clinical trial and can you speak to the process a bit for our listeners who might be interested in enrolling? You know, that's a 
fantastic question, and it's probably the the most common question I get at, at Great Lakes. Um, you know, people see our awnings on the side of the building. They see that we're the big blue, um, you know, business on the corner of Foster and Ashland, but they really don't have an idea of what we do. They see our name um, as Great Lakes Clinical Trials, but what is a, a clinical trial? So as I mentioned earlier, great, um, clinical trials are the only way to get new medications approved um, by the FDA. So every medication that any one of us have taken have gone through a clinical trial process. What does that mean? It means you come into the clinic um, and we do what's called an informed consent process. We talk to you about what the study is about, you know, how many visits you're gonna have to take to the clinic, what are the potential side effects. Um, it's just all about telling you everything you need to know, risks, benefits, um, if there's any kind of a stipend or payment for participation, if there's free parking, those sorts of things. We discuss it in, in great detail. And then if, if you're interested in participating in the trial, we assess you from a medical standpoint. We have a full team of physicians, all board certified, that provide um, kind of an overview of your health and make sure that you are healthy enough to participate in the research study. Or if you do have a disease and we're researching a certain disease, that you do have the right level of the disease to participate in the research study. Um, one thing I want to mention is that everything we do at our clinic is 100% free. You don't pay for any services. We don't actually take insurance or Medicare or Medicaid cards. Um, everything is provided through grant support that we receive. But so once you do decide if you want to participate in a research study, if you are qualified, then you just keep coming back to the clinic. Every clinical study is a little bit different than the other one. So sometimes you come back at monthly intervals. Sometimes you might come back at quarterly intervals and you come in for your doctor checkup. We do blood tests. We do radiology. We do a lot of different uh, assessments to make sure that you're that you're safe and that the medications we determine if the medications are working or not. Um, so it's really kind of a, a kind of a research process. It's a lot different than going to your regular doctor. So when you go to your regular doctor um, and say you have high blood pressure, you go there and they give you a medication saying this is a medication that tends to work in people. And you take them, you go to the Walgreens or CVS, you pick up your prescription and you take and you see if it actually works. In a research study, we don't have a promise that the medication is going to work or not. That's our goal is to determine if it is working or not. So that's what research is, is all about. So even though you might come in with hypertension um, and you get access to a medication, we're gonna be assessing your blood pressure over the course of the following weeks to see if it is working or not. And if it's not working, then we take you off the study and we can put you on regular standard of care. So how does one participate in a study, and what are some of the trials you are currently recruiting for? So, um, so the first thing um, a person should do is just give our clinic a call or contact us through our website, which is greatlakesclinicaltrials.com, um, or call us at 773-275-3500. Um, when you do reach out to our clinic, one of our um, recruitment staff will get on the phone with you and talk to you a little bit about the, the study that you're interested in. Um, so, if, for example, if you are interested, you or a family member is interested in one of our Alzheimer's or our memory loss trials, we'll ask you questions about your general health, your the basic issues you're dealing with in terms of memory loss, and try to determine how severe or mild the the memory loss might be. If, if based on your medical history and your any medications you're taking and that sort of thing, if you do generally qualify for the clinical trial, we'll set up an appointment for you to come into our clinic to meet with our clinical staff to actually determine from a physical standpoint if you are eligible to participate in the research study. And what I mean by assessing from a physical standpoint, we'll be doing blood draws, we'll be doing cognitive assessments, memory assessments, those sorts of things, just to make sure you're generally qualified.
You mentioned the prevention studies that Great Lakes is doing for Alzheimer's, and this is such an important um, area of your work as Alzheimer's is something that 5.7 million Americans are living with, according to uh, recent estimates by the Alzheimer's Association. And um, I know, you know, that's that's the people who are living with it, but so many people are even impacted by it. Um, my grandmother, when I was young, you know, passed away from Alzheimer's. And it was really just a, a horrific thing for my family to watch this uh, Italian maternal figure who took care of our entire family really no longer be able to to do anything anymore. So what does this work kind of mean to Great Lakes? Why is it important? And how can people get involved in Alzheimer's awareness? Well, that's a great question, Sarah. And actually, it's in interesting. If you talk to a lot of people who are actually devoting their lives to Alzheimer's research the way that we are at Great Lakes, there's usually a family connection or some sort of um, family or friends that are involved. And that's what kind of propels people to get involved in Alzheimer's research. For myself, my grandfather, um, who came over from um, Bohemia, um, actually um, passed away in 1979 from Alzheimer's disease. Back then, we didn't call it Alzheimer's disease. He was senile. We really didn't have, you know, Alzheimer's disease had been around for a while, but we didn't have really good um, detection and diagnosis techniques to actually, you know, formally diagnose it as, as Alzheimer's disease. But that's one of the things that propelled me into to getting involved in, in Alzheimer's research. And your, your facts are, are spot on in terms of the number of people who are living with Alzheimer's um, today. But one of the bigger concerns is the aging population that we have in the, in the United States right now. And we do estimate that there's gonna be more than 14 million people with Alzheimer's disease by, in the next coming decades. So we do have a, a major health crisis ahead of us and we're trying to do everything we can do at Great Lakes to actually do something about that. Um, you know, I've been doing Alzheimer's research itself for well over 15 years, almost 20 years, and we had a lot of failures over the years of trying to get medications approved to, to treat the disease. Currently, there are basically four medications that are approved to treat memory loss that you can get a prescription for, and none of those medications are actually indicated to treat Alzheimer's disease. They're only indicated to treat memory loss. None of those medications are going into the brain and trying to figure out why are we having memory problems. So over the last couple of decades, we've had a lot of failures and only had four successful drugs brought to market to treat memory loss. What's happened today and what's really exciting, got me really passionate and motivated is that our research is looking at the source of Alzheimer's disease. What are the changes that are going on in the brain biochemically that are causing people to have memory loss. So we're now developing new medications that are targeting the source of memory loss in the brain instead of just treating the symptom of, of memory loss. So that's what's really exciting. And one of the things that we are doing, and this is in partnership with Swedish Covenant Hospital, is that we can do brain scans on living human beings now and actually determine if they are having the changes in the brain that are similar to those pe of people who have Alzheimer's disease. Previously, we had to do autopsies and, and cut up on a brain and see if those changes are happening. But today, there is technology throughout some major medical centers around the country, but one of the ones that we have locally is Swedish Covenant Hospital, and they have these PET scan devices where we can actually do a regular brain scan, similar to an MRI, and determine if we actually have the changes going on in people's brains. And then we can actually provide a clinical trial that's assessing whether uh, a, a particular medication can reverse the changes that are happening in the brain, or at the very least, slow down the progression of the disease. Right now, in today's day, we do not have any 
method of slowing down the progression of Alzheimer's disease or even treating Alzheimer's disease. So if I can do anything is trying to get the word out there into the community that we have to actually participate in research studies so we can actually put an end to this disease. So this sounds like such important work. And Steve, what are you doing to get the word out about these clinical trials that could be so impactful? Well, that is the million dollar question. So one of the things that we do at Great Lakes is we do a lot of community outreach. We're doing talks um, at different hospitals, senior centers, park districts, libraries, um, just to try and get the word out that we are actually doing clinical trials here in Andersonville. But not only in Andersonville, when we go out and give talks in the community, we're talking about all the different research centers throughout the Chicagoland area that are doing research. I'm not, as much as I'm interested in trying to get people to come to my clinic and participate in trials, I just want to get people participating in trials altogether because I want to make a, I want to solve this problem with this disease. You know, there was a survey that was out um, just this last month. It was the largest survey of seniors. Um, it was a worldwide survey of over 10,000 people. And they asked questions about participation in research study and awareness and that sort of thing. And 91% of the people that responded believed wholeheartedly in that, that clinical trials are going to produce the answer to finding a solution to Alzheimer's disease. So at least we understand that these seniors know that clinical trials are important, but then they figured out, then they asked additional questions. 75% had no idea how to get involved in medical research. So three quarters of people don't know where to find a research study. And then almost 80% of the people said they wanted to participate in research studies. So there's a huge imbalance, and, and the big imbalance is just knowledge and people knowing how to get a hold of a clinical trial and how to actually join a, a study. So that's one of the reasons that we go out in the community to actually share this information, whether it's people coming to Great Lakes or whether it's people going to Northwestern or to Rush or the media system out in, uh, in Elk Grove Village. These are all people doing research in the Chicagoland area, and we just need to actually kind of create a culture of participation to actually solve this problem. You know, I always joke with, with, with people about the, um, the fact that in Chicago, it seems like there's a bar in every corner, and that's kind of a little, a little trophy thing that we have here in Chicago. But you go down to Florida, or you go to Texas, or you go to New Jersey, and there are research centers all over those states. And people are participating in research studies for Alzheimer's disease all over those states. And in some of the senior communities in, in Florida, it's almost like a badge of honor that you say, what trial did you, you know, what did you uh, try to, to get on? Or what trial are you uh, screening for? Here in Chicago, we don't have that culture. And I, you know, I bang my head against the wall trying to think, why, why don't we have that culture? And I don't know. And so that's why we at Great Lakes are going out there in the community to make sure people are aware of it. And if I can, my little grassroots effort can actually make a difference to get more people, even one or two more people participating in research studies, that's going to make us a little bit moving forward the, the, the dial toward getting a cure toward Alzheimer's disease. So that's something I'm super passionate about. Well, there's such a, there's a movement now of, you know, kind of aging in place. And I think that's something that this part of Chicago and um, Edgewater and Andersonville is really so um, strong in, and that there are a lot of older adults who live here and choose to stay here and because it's walkable and because we have the lake and because we have so many amenities and um, it's so wonderful just to have Great Lakes here rooted in our community. But then for the people who are choosing to stay here mm -hmm. and live here and age in place that they have kind of this access to such an incredible resource and don't have to go to some, you know, big hospital or some medical campus. And it seems like you are really breaking down those walls and those barriers. You know, you're so right, Sarah. It's, it's interesting. You were asking me earlier why we're in Andersonville. And I tried to relate earlier that, you know, 
being, I've actually moved into Anderson in, back in 1991. So I've been here for quite a while. And I see these seniors and, and, and older folks that are in the community. They want to participate. They want to, they're activists. They want to actually do something. They want to get involved. They're progressive. And, you know, offering this convenience actually makes the world a difference because as much as they want to participate in research studies, to get on the train or, or to, you know, take a, a, a taxi or a Lyft or an Uber downtown to go to another hospital to participate, you know, it's, it's a burden that, to, that people have to take upon themselves. It's not, nothing against the, the major medical centers that are downtown. I worked at Rush. I worked at Northwestern. They're fantastic institutions. They're world-renowned with some of the best researchers in the, in the world. But it's hard to get there sometimes. And so offering the convenience of a research clinic that has staff that were, frankly, trained at Rush, trained at Northwestern, trained at Johns Hopkins, these individuals all have the same um, caliber of, of expertise but we have a much more convenient um, access to research in our area for our community. So Steve, this Thursday, November 8th, has been named Chicago Alzheimer's Awareness Day, and Great Lakes is hosting an event at the Swedish American Museum to help raise awareness about the disease and to honor those volunteers that have taken steps to help find a treatment. Can you tell us a little bit more about that event and what folks can expect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that we're, we're all about is obviously the community and part of the community are the patients that, that come into our clinic and we are major patient advocates. Um, the best, you know, I can, as I mentioned earlier, we go all around the, the, the region talking about clinical trials. And I think we do a pretty fair job of, you know, getting that best message off from a grassroots level. But honestly, the, the people that seniors and our older adults actually listen to the most are their peers, their friends, their family members, the people they're having lunch with, they're playing bridge with, they're going to community groups with. So patient advocacy amongst the senior community is super important to be able to get the word out there. So this idea of having a Chicago Alzheimer's Awareness Day was born out of the idea of having patients speak up. And so at the event, we're having some patients who have participated in our research studies talk about their experiences and talk about what motivated them to join a, a clinical trial and try to help the rest of the community understand how important it is to, to, to advance medicine. And another thing I think is really important, uh, and that's been really is resonated really well with a lot of the folks that I'm on the phone with that are in trials we're kind of screening for or who are inquired about the event and attending is the fact that we have an official mayoral proclamation. It just made them feel so special in terms of being recognized formally, you know, as a champion for a cause and for research and kind of being a part of the fight. And it's also important because I think the proclamation addresses the caregivers. And Sarah, I think this also goes back to your point of, you know, those who are around someone who's um, suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia or cognitive impairment, you know, it's, it's about them too. You know, it's a commitment and I'm glad that they're able to get formally recognized. So the event itself is actually also in the neighborhood. We love the Swedish American Museum, a fixture and cultural gem and anchor in our neighborhood. So we're doing two different sessions on the 8th. Uh, we're doing a lunchtime session as well as a dinnertime session. And Steve can certainly talk to some of the educational components and the ask a doc opportunities that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. So the lunchtime session is gonna start at noon and we're gonna have a series of, of talks, um, starting out with um, myself and Sarah. I know you're gonna be on the agenda mm -hmm. to, to speak to the, uh, the Anderson community, but we will be also having Alderman O'Connor and Alderman Osterman there at the event to talk about what it means from a political standpoint um, in, in bringing this, um, this research to our communities. 
Um, but and then following up, we're going to end up with um, some of our patient viewpoints and that sort of thing. You know, Amber didn't mention caregivers, and I do want to say a few words uh, about caregivers and the importance of them. Um, the the burden that caregivers take upon themselves in, in helping to care for somebody with Alzheimer's is is unimaginable, um, both from a physical and an emotional standpoint. And we at Great Lakes pay special attention to making sure we we give credit where credit is due for these folks that are really the, the backbone of, of the family dynamic that's going on there. So we do truly appreciate them. And, and one of the things that you, you touched on earlier, Sarah, was the um, prevention trials that we have. So when we talk about Alzheimer's research, most people always think to themselves, okay, if I have Alzheimer's disease, I'll, I'll try and get a trial or have my family join a trial. Well, we're doing prevention trials. And this is much different than people who actually have Alzheimer's disease. What a prevention trial is, is for an older adult who does not have any memory loss at this time, who's not, you know, other than just normal aging, we all lose our keys here and there. That's totally normal. But as long as your, your memory is normal for your age, you can join a clinical trial to hopefully prevent future memory loss. And so what we do is we look at older adults who are actually a little more likely to possibly develop memory loss. We look at genes, we look at um, changes in your brain, and you can might have these changes in your brain, you might have these genes, but you're not exhibiting any signs of memory loss. Those individuals are what we call at a higher risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. And we can actually, we have trials that we're enrolling right now at Great Lakes that are looking for individuals at a higher risk where we provide a medication or a placebo and we determine if that medication can slow down or prevent future onset of memory loss. So these are perfect studies for people who are caregivers or brothers or sisters or, or relatives of people who actually have Alzheimer's disease who want to do something to join the fight. If they don't have memory loss, they can still join the fight. And, and that's, that's what we're trying to ask by, by getting people to participate in research studies. That's amazing. And we'll include, include a link for that in our show notes so that people can find where to sign up because that is just hugely important work. And not only is it contributing to the work, but it's also, you know, for the person yeah. to have that knowledge and have that information is incredible. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to point out is actually at the event, at the um, both the lunchtime and the dinnertime session, we will have a table there for individuals who are between the ages of 65 and 75 will be doing free genetic swabbing. Um, it's kind of like the 23andMe or Ancestry.com things that people are talk, have, have seen on TV and radio. We just do a, a cheek swab inside of your mouth and we can get your results back within three days to determine if you actually might have the Alzheimer's gene or not. We also have a table set up with our clinicians there where you can ask the doc um, just questions that you might have and share stories about what you're experiencing in terms of memory loss in your family and friends. And then we we'll also have another booth set up there for um, uh, signing up for free memory screens. It's one thing we do at our clinic every day that we're open, you know, Monday through Friday, we have free memory screens available at Great Lakes. You can come in for a, it's a half hour appointment. We sit down, you'll sit down with one of our clinicians, you go through some brief memory tests, and we'll give you an idea where you might stand in terms of your, your memory for your age, and then determine if there is a research study that you potentially would qualify for or not. You don't have to join a clinical trial. You can actually come in to get your free memory screen and, and walk away. There is absolutely no obligation, and you're not in any way are you beholden to the, the results there and to join a clinical trial. So if, you, if you're if you interested in actually seeing where you line up in terms of your memory, come into Great Lakes, sign up for a free memory screen, and we can uh, help you out. 
And another thing I think is really special about this event, too, obviously, in addition to our distinguished speakers like Sarah and Steve and uh, two of the aldermen, uh, we do have a patient uh, that's been through clinical trials in each. And at the end of the day, I think it goes back to what Steve said, that it's really about the patient experience and their story. And they're both such charismatic, amazing people. So I look forward to being able to kind of celebrate them and what they've contributed in terms of doing, helping us with medical research. Absolutely. Excellent. And for folks who maybe have family members who have um, suffered from Alzheimer's, how early would you recommend getting screened? You know, it's it's really interesting. And this is one of the things that um, a lot of patients feel left out a little bit. Um, there, all of our studies have age ranges where you have to be in a certain age range to qualify for a study. Um, for our prevention trials, Right now, they're either 60 to um, 75 or 75, or sorry, 60 to 75 or 65 to 75. Um, they're, they're kind of a tight range. And so people who are younger want to participate, but unfortunately, our research studies don't um, allow for that um, participation. And then even more so, we have older folks that are want to participate who might be, you know, over 75 or might be 80 or 85 and they can't participate. And it's not that we want to leave you out of the studies. If I had my say, I would actually allow everybody to join the trials. But um, there are some restrictions for, for joining certain clinical trials. Um, when we're talking about our studies for um, mild cognitive impairment or mild Alzheimer's disease, those age ranges are a little bit more open. Sometimes they're from 60 to 85. Sometimes they're from 50 to 85. So I, I don't. I know there's a lot of numbers that I'm throwing out at you. The easiest answer to this is give us a call or talk to us at the event or, get, or come in for a free memory screen, and one of our, our patient care representatives will sit down with you and kind of walk you through the process and see if there is something that would be you'd be eligible for. Um, the best participants that we do see are the caregivers, the brothers, the sisters of, of people that actually are, are experiencing um, some, some level of dementia. And those are people that want to do something, they don't know how to participate, and we can help guide people through that process. Well, I can't thank you enough, Steve and Amber and the entire Great Lakes team for this incredible work that you're doing and doing it right here in Andersonville on Chicago's north side and in the city of Chicago. Um, we always end our podcast episode asking everybody the same question and being a long-term resident of the neighborhood and a business owner, I'm really interested in your answer. Um, but if you both want to answer, that would be fun. So if you could trade places with an Andersonville business for one day, who would you choose and why? Wow, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> Anderson, you know, actually, Sarah, um, does the Chamber of Commerce count as a uh, as a what? <laughs> We've never received that answer. I'm so excited. I actually, I. Um, Again, as you mentioned, I've been a, a long resident of Andersonville. I've seen some great changes happening. And literally what's happened over the last few years in, in terms of what the chamber has done to support the businesses and to, to really develop a flourishing economy and, and just the, the community in general. It's just this huge community feel around here. It's just remarkable. And I would love to be able to trade spots with you just for a second to see what it's like to actually lead this this team. I agree with you on a community thing. I think something like with this event on Thursday, you know, just how the neighborhood rallies around it. I mean, you even have like Gregory taking our like collateral for Alzheimer's Day and helping us distribute it. And, right. you know, you have community bulletin boards everywhere. There's signs, you know, it's just there's really no neighborhood like it in the city. But my answer would be Alley Cat Comics because I still read comic books. <laughs> Fan of the sequential <laughs> art. 
Fantastic. That's excellent. Well, you are more than welcome anytime <laughs> to come join us for a day. Sarah usually like buys us whatever we want. Oh, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> so so when I, you I come, have to come just, with my wallet yeah. open. As you long have, as from a local independently owned business. <laughs> Fantastic. You have two new interns. <laughs> Well, thank you, Stephen Amber, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Steve and Great Lakes Clinical Trials, please visit greatlakesclinicaltrials.com. Show notes and more can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.